The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. All right, I am so excited to be welcoming Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson to the Podcast One family. Listen as Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, pours his soul into conversations with fascinating minds, celebrities, and athletes. Along with his cosmic millennial sidekick and former NFLer, Eben Britton, Kid Dynamite dives deep into the issues impacting us all today. This podcast will change the way you see the world. Check out their first two episodes featuring Evander Holyfield and T.I. Don't miss Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzola here with Sam Monson. What week are we in? Yeah, heading into 12? Is, Is it 12? Right? I think so, right? Week 12. You should probably know that. Of the NFL. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Week 12 of the NFL. We're heading into it. Uh-huh. How you doing, man? Doing good. How about you, Steve? Wonderful. Excellent. Ready to dive in? You're almost getting a new laptop. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it. Make sure it's everything yeah. works well. Well, I mean, it couldn't, this work, could be, couldn't work much worse. Probably not. The ironic thing is that after becoming frustrated and mocking yours for months, mine has now started to pack up. Mm, that's unfortunate. You can borrow mine when I get the new one. Oh, sweet. The, uh, yours at least has a working... Man, it doesn't even have a working battery, does it? No, it does. I just, you know, we have just a marathon... in the whole time? Well, we have a marathon podcast. Okay. I don't have... Oh, watch this. Oh, works. <laughs> it still works when I unplug it. Uh, this one started to be iffy, so I may need to invest in a new laptop as well. All right. Well, let's get into all of the action. Sorry about your laptop. Thank Week you. 12. I will be accepting your thoughts and prayers at this time. Yes. And then next week, we got Thanksgiving... What do you want to do next week? We'll do, we'll record our pod a little early. Yeah. Right. We'll record our weekend preview. Hey, look, we're live. That's what it says. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Laptop is here. Yeah. Text hey, message from my wife. Go. I'm going up. See ya. I'm going to get my new laptop. Steve Zachary is going to go with the laptop. Uh, so next week, the preview, we'll, we'll draw, well, we'll, we'll, we'll record it on Wednesday. Yes. And then depending on what our, our guys want to do, we either drop it Wednesday night yeah, or think, first thing Thanksgiving morning. I think we try and get it out Wednesday on the basis that not one, but th- well, maybe we just can three it, games yeah. Thursday. And there, yeah. we can get them out early Thursday, so it's still previews. Whatever. The, right. the, the, the next week's one, the preview will be out before the games start. Yeah. So we'll have the Thanksgiving Day preview. You know, we'll preview those games yeah, yeah. and we'll preview the whole weekend okay. and everything. So got that out of the way. So just be ready for that next week for all your Thanksgiving 
travels. Now, mm-hmm. tonight, AFC South battle, Houston Texans and Indianapolis yes. Colts. Tonight slash last night. Yeah, or you just or you saw this game yeah. already. What are your thoughts on what happened in this game? Um, I'm curious. It's Is it a game that Houston can bounce back in, having seen them so thoroughly, you know, monstered by the the ravens right um on the other hand have they just kind of encountered what their level is which is you know a reasonable team but when you actually face good teams you've got problems so the ravens you know dominated them and baltimore right now might be the best team in the nfl but they you know they didn't necessarily do that well when they faced the colts the last time when the colts are a good team jj watt dominated that game obviously he's not there this time so you know, they might have just reached their ceiling, essentially. Yeah, Houston's one of those annoying teams where you don't always know what you're going to get week to week. These teams played in week seven. The Colts won 30 to 23. 30.1 coverage grade by the Texans mm. in that game. By far their worst of the season. So I think that'll be uh, the thing to take a look at. You know, they did a nice job against Gardner Minshew back in week nine. That was their best game. And then last week was rough. Yeah. Against the Ravens. To me, the Houston Texans future all resides in their back seven. Yeah. How well they cover. And of course, how many uh, hero plays Watson can make. Yeah. So maybe Deshaun Watson made a bunch of hero plays and you guys loved it. And it was fun. And then you guys, because it's in primetime, Watson can be an MVP again. Yeah. Make hero plays in primetime. You'll forget about everything else. That's handy is how many uh, bad games primetime game can paper over. Oh, it's amazing. Time your your good showing for the the bright lights. You can you can cover up a lot of crap if you're gonna have a four touchdown game do not do it at one o'clock on a sunday god no i mean you save can, that you like you'll show up on red zone every now and again but there's like eight other games going on it's got to be a night game yeah in front of everybody so i think it'll be a good afc south battle or it was a good afc south mm. battle where did we all uh, go from a prediction almost standpoint? everybody went with houston except bruce went with the Colts. yeah, yeah i have uh, houston with the bounce back so we'll see what happens there um all right some of the big games this weekend, some some great matchups, starting with the Dallas Cowboys traveling to New England. And, you know, for the Patriots, after their easier stretch, they've got the Ravens last week. Well, they had the Ravens last week was the Eagles, and now the Cowboys in this little run that they're going on. And for Dallas, just another tough challenge for them. Yeah, I think this is a fascinating uh, litmus test game, Steve. You love that. I do. I think this is a really interesting sort of challenge for both sides. You know, you've got... The Cowboys and Dak Prescott firing on all cylinders. I got asked during the week on a radio hit, why aren't the Cowboys better? Like, everything's, well, everything is good. Everything's grading well. You know, the, Dak Prescott is having a legitimate MVP caliber season. The offensive line is good. There's talent on the defensive front. The back seven is good. Like, why are they not better than they've shown so far? And honestly, it's kind of tricky to, to identify that. Uh, I think it's it's because, other than the Jets game, which was just a weird, one of the biggest anomalies of the season. Throw that out. What else? It's just a difficult NFC. I mean, they they lost to the the Saints, right? The Packers. Sorry, and the Vikings. I I interrupted you. That was no, no. You're good. I mean, if you had an answer, I was I was willing to hear it. You didn't have your answer was effectively the same as mine, which is you know this is a game where. A few plays here and there can swing outcomes, right? Fine line. And ultimately, the Cowboys have just had a few diff- a few too many plays land on the wrong side, and they haven't won as many games as maybe they should have. I mean, the Vikings game is a perfect example, right? Yeah. Dallas, that game came down to a couple of plays here or there. Dallas could easily have knocked off the Minnesota Vikings. That game alone probably changes the conversation about both those teams, right? Yeah. So then they've just had a few of those. Now, 
admittedly, there's also the Jets game where you're like, I, did, I don't even know what happened there. That was just strange. But I think ultimately Dallas could be a better team than they are right now in terms of record, at which point this becomes quite a fascinating encounter because the Patriots are clearly not as good as they were or as they looked earlier in the season when their schedule was absurdly easy. Right. Um, we've seen them play better teams and relatively struggle. You can make the case that they could and should have lost to the Eagles a week ago. Um, they did get beat up by the Ravens. Dallas is good enough to cause the Patriots problems. Um, their offense is good enough to challenge that New England defense, which is really good, but again, not as good as it looked earlier in the season. So I think this is a fascinating game for both sides to to sort of test how good they are. Yeah, the Dallas offense has been fantastic this year. Uh, we've talked about it right from the get-go. Dak looked a little bit different. He's been a little bit more efficient. Kellen Moore is making all the right moves. And I still think, you know, they're calling plays in a way that, you know, we would suggest you call plays. Pass when they think you're going to run, run when they think you're going to pass. Sounds simple, right? Um, Dallas is doing a really nice job of that. Uh, the pass game is uh, extremely efficient. Amari Cooper has been fantastic. We've seen great play from Michael Gallup in, in spurts. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about Dallas. You know, I just think you're looking at a team that's 6-4 and four and easily could be 8-2. and two. That, by the way, is one of the best sort of matchups within the matchup. The Dallas wide receivers against the Patriots defensive backs. For sure. Those guys collectively, the Patriots defensive backs collectively are putting up insane numbers in terms of like passer rating against, all that kind of stuff. Amari, we talked about who covers Amari Cooper. Darius Slay was able to do a reasonable good job a week ago um, with the Lions. Gilmore is capable of doing that. Then you have Gallup going up against the non-Gilmore players of that secondary. Right. We've talked about Randall Cobb has been able to carve out a pretty good role as the third guy inside. So I think that's a really good matchup of sort of unit versus unit, strength on strength. I also look at this Dallas defense, and remember late last year they had a great game against the Saints and shut them down. I mean, they've, they've got some peak games where they play really well. Yeah. But again, it's kind of like the nature of defense. You can't bank on that every single week. I, I think that's the Cowboys this this year right they've got a bunch of good players they've got those athletic linebackers who aren't playing at the same level as they were last year so you know they're one of those defenses that's good on paper but you're not saying okay this team is you know like last year's bears or anything like that right they're not one of or with the way the patriots have played to this point this year they're not a team that's just going to go out there week after week and put up dominant performances but they're capable and you've got guys like Malik Collins with a breakout year with 36 pressures. Robert Quinn has eight sacks by our numbers. I don't know what the NFL has. So that's interesting. Is Isaiah Wynn going to get thrown straight back in there? And Isaiah Wynn's been activated. If he is, that's quite the baptism of fire. You have to deal with a guy who's pretty productive right now. Yeah, Robert Quinn and his speed. Uh, the Cowboys have three guys graded between 73 and 81 from a pass rushing standpoint. Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, and Malik Collins, who again we said is... Um, much like he did at Nebraska, started his career slow, mm. but then uh, looks good at Nebraska, at least years three, you know, toward the end of his career. So he's doing a, a nice job there for Dallas. Um, I think from a New England standpoint, they are still just trying to find, figure things out offensively. Yeah. Did you write the definitive of Brady's declined piece yet? Yeah, but it was back in 2014. You're just going to dust it off? No, I'm just, it's out there. I was ahead of everyone. I don't know what your, took you so long. Oh, I don't think he hasn't. That's your problem. I was there, what, five years ago now. He has not declined. Look, every every day 
that it takes for him to get there is just he, lengthening the amount of time I was first by. Yeah, yeah, you were. You were absolutely first. Um, back in the first three weeks of the season, Brady was actually the highest graded quarterback yeah. by our standards. Since that point, very, very middle of the pack. Right. Very much in the middle of the pack from a, from a grading standpoint. And we've mentioned a few times the offense as a whole not looking great. So they need to figure something out there. Maybe this is the Nikhil Harry back shoulder fade game. God, what he can do. Can you imagine if he just has an entire career out of (laughs) just Anquan Bolden again? I can't separate, but I'm going to throw you back shoulder fades all day. You just have to be so good. My my baseball analogy of that, every time time somebody is slow, they're like, oh, he's Anquan Bolden. Right. Right? Not every slow receiver becomes Anquan Bolden. Most don't, in fact. Most don't. Yeah. And my baseball analogy is every time somebody threw like below 90 miles an hour, they'd be like, oh, Greg Maddox. He was up because he was just all about control and movement. So, you know, if you throw under 90, you'll just be Greg Maddox. Mm. But Greg Maddox, who was one of the best pitchers of all time, was only Greg Maddox because he was so good at everything else. Right. Bolden could only be Bolden because he was so good at contested yeah. catches and having a feel for getting open versus zones and everything else that he did yards right. after the catch. Right. It's not like it's impossible to do that. It's just really hard. You just have to. The rest of your game just has to be yeah. so good. And I, as I said, it's, it's back to that old adage, right? If that's the first thing you're telling me about a guy, that's really concerning. It's not that it's impossible yeah. for that to be the first thing you're telling me about a guy and that guy really good. But the chances of that happening are so much smaller than they are if the first thing you're telling me about a guy is he gets wide the hell open every single snap. The, um, I mean, there's football analogies there, too. Just Chad Pennington. Like, every right. average-arm quarterback or below-average-arm quarterback has a long shot to make it. But a guy like Pennington can, you know, yeah, do I mean, well with can, it. There's, there's a lot of positions where you can point to it and say, look, if this guy, if he, does, if he clearly doesn't have the standard sort of, the standard bearer trait for that position... Like sure, there are there are always outliers that are, that have bucked that and been successful players in the past, but they're outliers for a reason. Like they're not typically successful, and if he's going to be the second coming of that guy, he had better be really really good at the things that make up for the fact that he can't do whatever it is he can't do. In Nikhil Harry's case, he really can't separate. Like really bad at it like Laquan Treadwell couldn't separate either right and Laquan Treadwell turns out is not good enough at any of the other things he to, wasn't good at you know to, right to overcome catches that. or anything yeah now Nikhil Harry was really good in college at contested catches he was yeah. also really good after the catch um, and there are ways of scheming a guy open even if he can't separate one-on-one so it's not like there's no shot of this guy being good it's just that you have to work with it right there's also some routes like you don't have to separate a ton on slants. You well, just have to get... You do, but you need the right coverage. So the one that sure. happened last week, right, is he runs a slant against off coverage. Oh, yeah, then you're gimmick. fine. Right. It's easy, right? Whereas if they're playing man coverage, press man on the outside, you need more than that. You need you need at least like half a step, but you can kind of use your body a little bit. I mean, there's ways around that. And if you have a guy that can't really separate, you don't want to just throw him out there and say, hey, go win one-on-one. You move him around and That's you do I'm different saying. things. So right? you can work with it, but it does... It's something you need to be aware of and acknowledge, right? Yeah. You can't just sort of put your head in the sand and say, no, no, he can separate. I've seen it happen once. Yeah. Like, look, hey, he can't separate. That's a major red mark against, or a major, major black mark or red flag, whichever you want, against him. That's not to say that he can't be successful, but it does determine the pathway that that success right. needs to come by. Uh, just to wrap up on this game, I had a, 
a tweet powered by our friends over at AWS this week, Sam, as I was doing my research for, uh, I'm just going to name drop everything, an wow. ESPN article, a okay. bunch of QB superlatives over at ESPN, part of your ESPN Plus wow. package. How's that? That's nice. Dak Prescott on first reads this year, and the way we define this is quarterback gets to the top of the drop and will tell you which side of the field he starts his read on, mm-hmm. right? And if he stays there, you know, it could be curl flat, it could be slant flat. If he throws one of them, we'll say, hey, he hit his first read. Dak Prescott's PFF grade has gone from 72 which ranked like 21st, 22nd last year, to 90, the number one grade in the NFL. So on first read throws. And I think that is one example of where the Kellen Moore difference has been made, plus receivers right. and their ability to get open. So we also use the term look for that because read. Yeah, when we say read, it's, it's really look. So on right. first look, so he's looking to the left side of the field. There's multiple receivers there. If he chooses one of them, we'll say that's the first read yeah. or the first look that he's sticking with. So Good number. Yeah, I think it is a good number. I think it's showing uh, how they're scheming it up over in Dallas. I'm taking New England, as are you, the only person not. Did I say New England? We're taking. We're both taking New England. The only person taking, now there's a couple taking Dallas. Bruce and Austin. Bruce and Austin. Austin's still propping up the table. Austin's just trying to catch. He's just going opposite of everybody here. That was what Bruce was doing in like week three to catch up. Yeah. It's gotten tight tight at the top. Nathan had a perfect week last week after his three and ten disaster. That put him back level with Neil at the top. I'm a game back from them. You're a game back from me. I am. And nobody else we care about. Nope. It's going to be intense down the stretch here. Mm -hmm. All right, and then a huge NFC matchup. Green Bay Packers at San Francisco 49ers. Sunday night football. This is a Sunday night football battle. What are you looking for in this one? Uh, we're starting to get healthy Devontae Adams back. He Obviously, he missed some time. Yeah. Even when he came back, he clearly wasn't 100%. Like, you know, this is it's the kind of injury that slows down a receiver and you, you lose a little something, particularly a guy like him who is so good at route running and sudden movements that shift them open, that kind of stuff. So I think we're starting to see signs of him coming back. How he does against that San Francisco secondary that's been really good is going to be fascinating. Um, and then the other thing is, Green Bay's pass protection against San Francisco's pass rush. Those yeah. are all the sort of all and all interlinked. How Adams does against that secondary and how much help that secondary gets by the pass rush. Like Nick Bosa against David Bakhtiari is one of the best one on one matchups yep. of the week as well. Bakhtiari is one of the best pass blocking tackles in the game. You know, has been the best for a few years. Um, Nick Bosa is he literally has the best pass rush win rate of any player in the game right now, regardless That's of position. Impressive which is insane for a rookie. Um, what, like A lot of people are sort of talking about, you know, Bosa versus Bosa, the two brothers, where they rank, all that kind of stuff. Their ability to hit the ground running in the NFL is kind of, is kind of nuts, right? Yeah. Both guys missed time at the start of their career through, you know, holdout or injury or whatever. Um, and both guys just hit the ground running like they were savvy NFL veterans. There was no transition whatsoever, no dip in performance and then a, a growth period after they got it they just stopped playing at ohio state came to the nfl and continued playing at the same rate which is pretty ridiculous that doesn't happen very often yeah and it wasn't it, miles garrett kind of did too and those were the two boses and miles garrett are the three guys in our pass rush grades or just in our overall grades that have just they just dominated their whole careers pretty much stuck to finish in college and it's not like we you know we're breaking stories about how good they are, and the NFL didn't know. I mean, they were all top right. three picks. So, 
um, it, it kind of makes sense that those those three have all done a really nice job. But even Garrett took a there was significantly more of a transition period. Yeah, he for took Garrett a little to bit dominate. more than there was the Bosa's. The Bosa's. And, well, I think a big part of the Bosa transition, too, is they were good in college because they were so technically sound. Yes. When, when people are scouting a Miles Garrett, I didn't hear any... The only weaknesses I heard, Sam, was that he played an instrument and he was a little soft. <laughs> that was the weakness that I heard about Miles Garrett. Yeah. Because he had the freaky athletic ability and length and size and he kept getting bigger and power and all that stuff, right? And the production. Both Bosa's were easier to pick apart. It's like, well, he's not the fastest off the line of scrimmage, and he's not. You know, like, the biggest criticisms about them were: has he already maxed out his his ability? Right, right, right. It's like, well, he's he's already technically and fundamentally sound. So, is this as good as he can get? Yeah. To which the answer is, well, maybe. But if it is, he's still like a Pro right. Bowl player, right? So, so if who he's cares? already good enough, it doesn't. So that was that's the whole thing, right? Um, they weren't the most exact, you know. It's like uh, explosive yeah. or bendy or anything like it that. It's right? like, where's the room for growth? And it's like, well, maybe there isn't any, but that's because he's already a yeah. Pro Bowl caliber player. Both so, so technically What's sound. the problem? Um, so then you've got Aaron Rodgers. He's taken 22 sacks this year. You know, again, sack rate, very much driven by the quarterback. He's done a better job this year of... Uh, he's avoided a bunch of sacks this year, and he's done a better job of just generally avoiding those negative plays. Yeah, I mean, so, he always avoids a bunch, but that's not to say he isn't to blame for a lot of them as well. Right, he's just done a better job overall at avoiding those negative plays that um, hurt him a lot last year. Yeah, so that's fair. You also uh, have, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. How well is he going to play? Because typically, I mean, not typically, generally this season, he hasn't actually played that well. We've definitely seen glimpses of it, but we haven't seen Jimmy G playing like a dominant force on this team and yet the team has been rolling so he's had just well he's had a bunch of weird games right he's had a lot of games where his overall grade is kind of brought down by one or two throws and it's not to say that one or two throws can i mean if you have one or two interceptions in a game it does actually influence yeah how well you play it and that's kind of been jimmy g you know things are going okay and that's like bad red zone decision right it's been that a lot. So we have charged Aaron Rodgers for seven of the sacks this season, which is tied for fifth. And yeah. You know who leads the league in that? Kyler. Yeah. By with 14. 15. 15. Mitchell Trubisky is second with 13, and he's played a lot less. And that was, you talk about the things that Trubisky's regressed at. If there was one thing he did a pretty nice job of last year is picking up, you know, plays with his legs and avoiding sacks. Yeah. He's like, That's why QBR loved him last he's year. He's had like 140 fewer dropbacks than Kyler and is only two sacks behind Yeah, him. he's just not just not seeing it. Just one more of the ways in which Trubisky has not been good. So I think the 49, these are two pretty well-rounded teams too. Yeah. I mean, Rodgers is a better quarterback than Garoppolo, but you feel, I mean, I still feel good enough that Garoppolo can go win a game for you, even if he's had some, some blips along the way. You got a great play caller. In San Francisco, you know, Shanahan can always um, scheme it up. You've got Green Bay, who's gotten great production out of Aaron Jones in the running game. I think in part just because they're they're running when they should run type of thing. And Jones is doing a good job of creating after contact. And then the Packers, we've seen their defense show glimpses with their pass rush and J.R. Alexander on the back end. I mean, there's... And the, and the Niners have the most improved defense in the NFL between their pass rush and coverage. So I think it's two really well-balanced NFC teams. The 49ers also have a brutal schedule 
to come in. Like they're obviously they're yeah. they're doing well record wise, but they face one of the most ridiculously tough schedules you're going to see. They have like I think three teams down the stretch that are uh, they have like an 800 or better record right now. Yeah, which is going to be tough. I don't think it's it's something like. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it's ever happened at this point in the season, and only like four teams have faced a three-week. I think they have three a three-week stretch where they face those, and like it's 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 only happened where th- teams have faced three teams of that caliber in a season, like four times. So really, their their schedule generally is pretty brutal. Uh, one other thing to keep an eye on: the Niners have had a few games where they've run the ball extremely well. Yeah, this year dominant run games, and the Packers with Mike Pettin have been one of those teams that say, "Hey, go ahead, run it. We're inviting you to run the ball," which could be just an overall philosophy in Green Bay that we would encourage here at PFF, or it could just be you know more game plan oriented. If it's game plan oriented, do they say, "Well, the Niners want to run the ball a lot, so we have to dedicate more people to it and in the box." If they don't. You might see them inviting the Niners to average five yards per carry and then, you know, kind of hope that they can win up front. Then it becomes an O-line, D-line battle. So just something to keep an eye on on Sunday Night Football. I went with the 49ers. You went with Green Bay. This game's kind of split pretty even amongst the picks. Yeah, I like Green Bay. Okay, whatever. But yeah, Rodgers against that Niners secondary should be a good battle. Yeah. For sure. Should this be a good one. Definitely one of the best games of the week. Um, this is a good week. That's for why games. we highlighted it. Like we've had a few we've got a few weeks where it's been tough sledding, trying to find some good games, but this was there was a few games that we could have put in our sort of highlighted list of uh, games of the week. I think I think one of the games is just the most difficult game to ever predict. Okay. One of those games. Does it involve the Titans? Well yeah. Uh. Yeah, but Titans against Foles. <laughs> Like something's got to give, right? A lot of variance there. It could be forty-nine to three either way, (laughs) right? You're never going to get a game like that. Yeah. Um, All right, let's get through the rest of the slate. New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. What are you looking for in this one? Um, Am I crazy to think that the Giants could win this game? No, I don't think so. Perfect, excellent, because I do. Um, Now I have a better quarterback right now. Oh God, I do need Danny Dimes to rein in. The, the crazy turnover worthy plays just a smidge, right? Just because you're limited to one or two. Yes, limited to one or two in the game, and we can do something. If you throw like three or four again, it's not, it's not going to happen, right? But I kind of think that the Giants could steal this in an upset, um, whether or not Trubisky plays, to be honest. Like, they, and they're, they're sort of set themselves up to the point where if he doesn't play, they've definitely benched him because allegedly he's okay he practiced fully on wednesday um he says you know if i feel fine i'll play just a weird situation so you're now in a situation where you did have the perfect cover in terms of an injury that could keep him sidelined indefinitely and yet you've basically put that in a situation where now if he doesn't play you have said no we've benched him for daniel so but trubisky's also if he's going to go full bortles the, four, the full Bortles move here is to post a 78.6 grade as he did in week 10 against Detroit hmm. and be like, all right, he's turning a corner. He goes 16 of 23 with three touchdowns. He's turning a corner. And then he has last week's game against the Rams where they score seven and 
Uh, he missed a couple field goals. Too. This but is now the he, secondary he to do that against. But this is so. Then, if you really want to go full Bortles, you just keep giving just enough. It was like when Mariota was trying to get right. benched, and he would. Maybe this is the game. Trubisky's like, wait, Bears fans, this is it. We've turned a corner hmm. for one more week against the Giants. It's going to be interesting because the Giants can stop the run, right? Yes. So they're going to load up with the fat guys in the middle. Yep. They're going to shut down David Montgomery. They're going to force you to actually do something with the passing game. Now, you should be able to because their secondary is miserable. Yeah. Particularly DeAndre Baker, who's been getting just beat up left, right, and center. Him yeah. against Allen Robinson in particular is a disaster waiting to happen. But that now does rely on Trubisky going out there and making some throws. And that hasn't been a particularly high percentage play for the Bears this year. So the ability for them to beat the Giants is definitely there because the Giants aren't very good. But it does, rely, it does lean on relying on the worst part of your offense, essentially. Yeah. Which is the quarterback, ironically. I could just see Trubisk having, uh, having a day if he gets the opportunity. I could see Chase Daniel having a pretty good day. Honestly, this could be the kind of game where, like, this is the game for Daniel to come in and play. Because if you do give him, you know, easy opportunities against the garbage secondary, like, he can make those throws. Problem with Daniel is he's not very good. And if you play someone that's actually going to cause problems, yeah, he's not going to be the guy that elevates the offense over that. But if you give him, like, a gimme, you give him a giant wide target to hit, you know, a bullseye that's 10 yards across sitting in the middle of the field, like, Daniel can do that. That's effectively what DeAndre Baker is. It's like a 10-yard wide bullseye just running down the field. Man. And then they get, they get a turnaround for a Thanksgiving game on Thursday at Detroit. Uh, before the season, our friends over at the PFF forecast were talking about the Bears under. Yeah. What was it, 9, 10? Something like that. I mean, most, most win totals aren't above 12 or 11. So they might have been under 8 or 9. They're at 6 losses right now. They still have to go to Detroit. Then they have to play Dallas, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Vikings mm-hmm. to finish the season. Sitting here at 4 and 6. I mean, 6 and 10 would be a good finish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I go quite that far, but certainly plausible i mean six and ten might be tough yeah for the bears to pull off here uh danny dimes going up against this bears defense though i think you're gonna get the full you could get some full Jameis going here yeah there'll be some impressive stuff there'll be some uh some crazy stuff in there honestly i think the bigger part of it is whether he has the big plays because yeah i think you're gonna get a couple of mistakes a couple of turnover worthy plays in there question it the problem with him and Jameis in the bad games has been where's the good stuff yeah so if if Danny Dimes can actually drop in a couple of dimes that's that could put the Bears in a tough spot because they then need to respond it's gonna be a good um, game every game it be good. will be I, I, I like this game I'm I think the Giants can snatch it and I hope that happens to be honest because that would make me look smart you're taking the Giants, I'm taking the Bears. Yeah, as is everybody else. I'm the only person that thinks the Giants can win this. But So we think regardless of who's a quarterback, the Bears are the better team, is what everybody else is saying. Yeah, what the rest of you are saying. Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. Yeah. At the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Steelers dominated the first meeting. Man, Ryan Finley trying to throw the ball outside the numbers. It really did look like an ACC game again. So Trayvon Mullins, the guy that had the huge game last week for the Raiders, the rookie cornerback who went to Clemson. And when I was, you know, when, when I was evaluating Ryan Finley, he wasn't a difficult evaluation. I think you could easily see what he was. 
But he always graded really well for us. And then it was one of those guys that the games he didn't grade well were all the tough teams. Like, didn't grade well, especially against Clemson. And when he played against Clemson, it felt like he just kept trying to throw the ball outside the numbers, and it would just get batted down. He just didn't have a shot throwing the ball outside the numbers, which is predicated a lot based off arm strength. But then you see guys like Gardner Minshew who have so much anticipation that it doesn't matter. But Finley just floats the ball out there and this is so last week was like a replay of that he's trying to throw the ball downfield and there's Trayvon Mullen from Clemson picking him off and knocking passes away like it was there were a couple of ugly plays to like the sideline that just didn't get there yeah Um, and in Finley we talked about can you overcome this lack of whatever the you know the trait is so to speak for Finley he would have he's just got to be so perfect in between the numbers yeah and such a good decision maker and throw the ball so early to mitigate the arm strength stuff it's it's a challenge yeah he's honestly he's just on a hiding to nothing there's no way he can look good in this offense even even in a perfect situation he would need to learn how to do that to an extremely high degree um but he's he's never going to get the chance and then at that point you're then you're then asking well, why can't you do it on the four plays in the game where you're not running for your life yeah. and everything's actually functioning okay? It's like, well, okay. But again, it's <laughs> we don't have an appreciation for what happens when you change the balance of the numbers in those circumstances, right? When you suddenly say, all right, instead of every play is an optimal situation except for a few, it's there's only a couple of plays in the game where he's not expecting that to happen and he has to actually look good during them. I like this was what twenty seven three the first meeting, and it's difficult to see how this goes in another direction unless the Steelers don't get anywhere near twenty seven because their own offense is that inept. Um, the I, Cincinnati's offensive line is just going to get murdered by the Steelers' defensive front. I don't see how Finley can overcome that to put up serious points of his of his own. Their defense is not good either. It basically just comes down to does Mason Rudolph play badly enough that this offense can't get out to a lead because Rudolph coming off of a rough game against a rough the Browns game as well. and, and being brained by his own helmet yeah that too um that's the thing they could keep it close though yeah I Rudolph mean, he playing is, poorly he can play Rudolph badly Finley on the other side it's not the best quarterback matchup of the week no uh the Steelers defense though has played pretty well in recent weeks so yeah. I'm looking at um Minka gonna pick off Ryan Finley that's possible that's that's really the key to this game to me is that the only way this can be close is if Rudolph is that bad. Yeah. We're all taking the Steelers across the board here. Yep. All right. Miami Dolphins at the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So we saw signs of life from the Cleveland offense last week. Now, it didn't last. You know, Baker made some mistakes the after first that. First quarter and a half or so, whatever. He yeah. just looked much more comfortable. Like, you should look comfortable against the Dolphins. They're not as bad as this they were earlier in the saying, year, though. Right? It's... We saw flashes of it last week. We saw glimpses. Last week was at least, so, you know, we'd been searching for this thing, right? It disappeared. This this Browns offense, essentially, had gone missing, yeah. right? And we're all, we'd, we'd organize a search party. You and I were here wandering the woods. We were looking. With a whistle and a, and a high-vis vest each, right? Looking for this Browns offense. That happened? Nothing, right? Nothing. Absolutely just crickets. And then suddenly... There's a little call in the distance. It's like, oh, it's alive. I can hear it. I can hear. It. I don't know where they are, but I can hear them. I at least have now identified a sign of life from this Cleveland offense, right? And then 
It went away again. We stopped hearing the calls. But at least renewed excitement because, well, they're alive. They're not buried in a ditch somewhere. We're not, not a beached whale. Right. We're not, we're, not, we're not searching for the body. We at least know that they're still alive somewhere. We've heard them. So this week, I think, is the week we might actually discover them. We so last week, they them. were trekking through the woods against the Steelers. And now, with the Dolphins, they find the clearing. The yeah. Opening. Right. Well, we find them in the clearing. We'll find them in the yeah. clearing. Okay. The Dolphins That's are That's what clearing. I'm saying. The Dolphins are bad enough that if we saw, if we identified signs of life in this offense a week ago, we might actually find them this week. Because they'll actually have that success all the way through the game. I could play your analogy game. I don't count this. You don't have this chop for that. The problem is yeah. the Dolphins have Nick Needham. Okay. If I'm a Dolphins fan, mm-hmm. I'm playing this game of, all right, who, who can I get excited about every week? <laughs> like, which guy can I say, we got 72 draft picks over the next three, pit, three drafts. Yeah. Which guy's not going to get cut when, when all these guys show up? Yes. Right. And Nick Needham's making a case. He's their highest-graded defensive player, 80.2, out of UTEP, undrafted free agents. I do a nice, I do a little voiceover for the NFL every week, top five rookie performances. You might see that over on social media and all that stuff. Needham's been on the list the last two weeks, mm. making plays. Interception, two pass breakups over the last couple weeks. Granted, we have the Brian Hoyer game and all that stuff, but, you know, he's... He's done pretty well. He graded well for us in college. Not the best uh, all-around athlete in the world or anything, but pretty good size. And I think he could be, if you're the Dolphins, you're, just, you're looking for guys like Nick Needham. Sure. They're going to be a part of the rebuild. Yeah. So there you go. Where was your analogy? Oh, no. I was adding on to the clearing and all that stuff. You just you oh. were waiting for an analogy? Yeah. I thought you were building up to like a big metaphor here. Oh, no. Not at all. No. Oh. Okay. Well, no, I just added the clearing to your analogy i see yeah they were going through the woods and then they found the clearing which is the dolphins like yeah but 300 yard passing game for baker and that type of thing you also broke the analogy by adding that like i I don't think so i thought i thought i added you changed who was searching yeah but i mean we're all in the clearing and we found the browns offense no look you're you clearly you are you're not capable of this you need listen you're you need a new analogy for the falcons because that thing lasted a week to leave the analogy to the professionals well, I do yeah. have to. I'm going to go with the real analysis, which is Nick Needham with a 90 grade two weeks ago and an 83.6 grade last week being really good. Okay. He's not playing Brian Hoyer this week, so that's, that's going to be part of Josh Allen last week. Yeah. Josh Allen did zip that cover two touchdown right by his head, too. Yeah. That was kind of like a little on him. You got to get a little better, better depth in cover two, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not perfect, but, you know, Nick Needham, got to watch. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely got to watch, if for no other reason than it's the Miami Dolphins, and there are many of those. Sorry to disappoint. I didn't know you were... No, I was like... Didn't I know was you were waiting like, waiting for, for it. I thought you were building up to some masterful That's metaphor. why you were so into my Nick Needham anal- yeah, and, and by just, analysis. You walked me right to the edge, and then just yeah. nothing happened. Because you usually ignore me. I, well, yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, one other thing to keep an eye on, the worst pass rush in the league from the Dolphins, so... Of all of Baker's issues yes. this year, it's been uncomfortable discomfort in the pocket, we'll say. Mm. Will he have more comfort in the pocket? Will, will he have a, a recliner back there? <laughs> will he have his... Stop it now. You just are not... No. Well, now I'm just adding to the fact that I get to deal with him and his Brown Stadium House commercial yeah. all the time. Nonstop. Look, I'm just saying this is, a dangerous, this is a dangerous landscape to wade into, this whole metaphor world. And I don't think you've got the skills. No, I, I just make baseball analogies. Yes. Yeah. You Which makes probably, sense you to our probably audience. handle that. I'll stick with baseball analogies. Yeah. 
So Baker. No, I think uh, that's a fair point. That you know, one think. of the many problems in this Cleveland offense has been their offensive line has been bad, and that puts Baker under more pressure. That shouldn't be a problem this week because the Dolphins don't have any pass rush. So that part should get better. Yeah. What are we, we all taking Cleveland? All taking Cleveland? Yes. Everyone's going with Cleveland. All right. Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for in this one? So it's, it's all Kyle Allen watch for the Carolina Panthers. How well is he going to play? And if he stinks, are we on the Will Greer you know, time clock? Are we waiting for the Panthers to get fed up enough of bad Kyle Allen play to throw in Greer? I mean, I feel like we're going to, if the Panthers are doing their due diligence, they're 5-5. Five and five. I mean, technically, you can go 11-5 and five and be in the playoff you know, yeah. push. You have yeah. a playoff push. Even just from a standpoint of identifying the quarterback, the, the future of your quarterback position, I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that the next half dozen games of Kyle Allen is more consequential than throwing Will Greer out there for a few to see what he has. Like, you I think, think so? Yeah. Just, I mean, we've been talking all season long about don't get too carried away with one or two game sample sizes. Play the long game. The more data you can have, the better. Like, we've seen good, we've seen bad from Kyle Allen. Do you not learn more giving him half a dozen more games to show where in that spectrum he lands than to snap judgment after one or two and say, all right, we're throwing Greer out there. He's going to get, like, three games. I'm going to give we'll you... make a call on him. I'm going to give you a biased take. Okay. So, so if, if the Buffalo Bills were to honestly... I, I hate picking on... Josh Allen because he has made a lot of strides in a lot of different areas right but if the Bills say say the Bills and their Josh Allen take versus us and our Baker Mayfield take Mm -hmm. I would say Josh Allen has played below the standards you would want from your first round quarterback this year Baker Mayfield last year played fantastic and now this year has played below the standards of where you'd want him to play now you go to your your prior take right the Bills prior on Josh Allen's high like they they liked him mm-hmm. a lot. We liked Baker Mayfield. So because we liked Baker Mayfield and we feel like we've got all this data backing us up that he's going to be okay, I feel good about that. Right. Because I don't have that data on Josh Allen, I'm more, I'm more willing to move on because that's my sure. prior take. Now with, with uh, Will Greer and do I want to see this guy, I'm going to compare him to Davis Webb a couple years ago. Remember when Eli got benched, everybody's like, you got to know what you have in Davis Webb. And I'm mm-hmm. like... I got a feeling we have a lot of data that says he's terrible and he can't hit a throw. Right. And that's the truth. Our data says Will Greer could be something. Right. I, I want to know as soon as possible if he can be something. So, I'm, so my bias take is if you've got a third round quarterback, Will Greer versus Davis Webb, one guy I feel like had a shot, one of, one of them I don't. Yeah. I'm assuming the Panthers felt like Will Greer had at least a shot. And you either want to eliminate him immediately if he doesn't, which is give him two or three games, or have some sort of encouragement that the accuracy and decision-making and different things that we liked for two years at West Virginia will come through. Does that all make sense? Yeah. I, look, I agree with you in terms of I would love to see Will Greer for a period of time because, look, he graded really well. He had some interesting abilities. It, his The fact that he stopped playing in any way shape or form well the second he left the building in West Virginia is strange to the point where I'm kind of curious to see more um you know like it wasn't a case of like 
hey, the offense created this guy. Because like he went to the senior bowl throwing against air and couldn't hit anything. Like this wasn't you know what I mean? Like this wasn't an it offense. Was concerning. That, it wasn't an offense that manufactured open throws because he's literally throwing against nobody and missing. Like that is an open throw that he's not making anymore in practice pads over a week. Like yeah. th- that's weird. So the fact that that happened, I'm desperately curious to see him. I would love to see him. But if you're asking from a Panthers point of view, let's say we've decided we're moving on from Cam Newton. I need to know if we have somebody on this roster that can be the starter in 2020. Let's say the unchallenged starter, right? Even if you draft the guy. Let's say one of these guys goes into the 2020 as our, this is the guy we're putting on the billboard saying he's our starting quarterback. I think you have a better shot of giving all of the remaining games to Kyle Allen, even if the answer to that becomes no, based on what he does in those games, than you are giving him another two games and then throwing Will Greer out there for like four, which could be anything. Like even if he plays, let's say they do that, right? Will Greer plays four games at the end of the season on fire. Are you even at that point convinced that he can be the starting quarterback twenty in 2020 without challenge? No, I don't think there's ever... Right, at which point, I think you can at least eliminate Kyle Allen as an option based on what he does down the, remain, down the stretch. But with Greer, there's also that question mark. Like, if he is going to be the guy, like, are, are three games of experience going to be, you know, helping him on the path to success? Just Possibly. not having his first game But that's the problem with year. third round. I don't know. That's the problem with, like, third round picks, right? Is that those guys are inherently behind the eight ball in terms of opportunity. If you're, a, if you're a Daniel Jones and you got picked sixth overall, at some point you are going to be given a beneficial chance to prove that you're not the guy. Yeah. Right? You are, it, it's essentially assumed that you are the guy until you show pretty conclusively that that isn't true anymore. Now, if you're a third-round pick, you don't have that presumption. The assumption is not that you are the guy. It's that you might get a shot at some point. To yeah. prove that you are. Make the best of it, kid. Right. But A, that's not even guaranteed. And B, if it is, it's a hell of a short leash you're on. Yeah. So, like, he doesn't get, just because he was a third-round pick, he's not going to get that benefit of, we have to manufacture him a shot to show that he isn't the guy. Like, it's, look, if things break, like, let's say Kyle Allen plays well enough that we can't sit him down the rest of the year, like, unlucky kid. You, you know, the, things didn't break your way. You don't get a chance to show that. You know, we we're not... We haven't seen enough from you to know that you deserve that shot. Otherwise, we would have taken you in the first round. But can Kyle Allen undo what we would say is, like he, uh, in my mind, he's not the guy. He's not grading like he's the guy going forward. He's yeah. shown a lot of intriguing things and all that stuff. But, you know, Mitch Trubisky's shown intriguing things. Blake Bortles is shot. I keep coming back. So, so like, you can enough, see intriguing right. things. He can't do enough that you can be 100% sure. But I think he can do enough where you can say, all right, let's roll with it in 2020 and see what happens. You know what Kyle Allen feels like? Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon situation. Yeah, Trevor Simeon already made more throws than Trevor Simeon ever. Yeah, made. But like Simeon kind of had like they started two and zero the year. He, you know, he wasn't really going to be the starter ever. And right. And I mean, you're watching Simeon, and you're like, this isn't going to last. And you know, it's just he's not that good. I but mean, I they're th- different. But but I think he's made more challenging and difficult throws than Trevor Simeon. He's done a did. lot of nice things. So that's the thing. So I think there's a scenario where Kyle Allen could play really well down the stretch, and you say, well, okay, there's still stuff to be concerned about. This is still a small sample size, but he has earned a shot to start in 2020. Yeah. I don't think there's anything Will Greer could do that would give you the same level of confidence, at which point I would say it's probably a waste of everybody's time 
to use playing time on him. The um, the struggle with the Kyle Allen debate. I'm just looking at um, how many points. The, just using points as proxy here. How many points the Panthers have scored in four games that he started? They've scored over 30, 38, 34, 37, and 30 mm-hmm. in those games. There's also four games in which they've scored 16 or fewer, 16, 13, 16, and three. So, I mean, they really, I mean, uh, I know it's not all him, but generally, you know, the quarterback leads an offense, and if yeah. they score a lot of points, generally, that's a good thing that he's facilitating. We've sure. seen the high and the low end of the spectrum with Kyle Allen there. Yes. So anyway, oh, by the way, that's one thing we're looking forward to watching in this game. And then I want to see if Breeze can complete a pass down the field beyond 20 yards because he hasn't since he's been back. Fair enough. Or since, or since uh, the bye. Okay. Sorry, Saints fans. With all that said, we're all taking the Saints. Well, yeah, the Saints are you know, the best team. Yeah, and Kyle Allen hasn't been very good recently. Saints are the best team in the NFC. Hmm. Oh, by the way, Luke Keekley, Alvin, Kam- Alvin Kamara. That's fun. The oh. Saints have, because they have Alvin Kamara, they've got Michael Thomas, they have Marshawn Lattimore, and of course Breeze. Incredible matchups every week. Yeah. Especially, you know, you've got Lattimore versus, versus Julio when they play Atlanta. You've got Keekley versus Kamara when they play the Panthers. Deion That's Jones. always. Deion Jones in Atlanta versus Drew Breeze. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. So there we go, Saints. That's what we're talking about. Uh, before we get to the. Raiders and the Jets. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at Western and Southern. It doesn't matter if it's football or financial wellness. The right questions will always give you the best chance for a win. Western and Southern has partnered with us here at PFF to give you a chance for an up-close and personal look at the X's and O's that lead you to both financial and football success. Looking for insight on your financial future? Need an inside the huddle tip? We got that for you. Head to westernsouthern.com slash ask chris ask dash chris that's collinsworth c-r-i-s western southern.com slash ask dash chris to ask western and southern and pff your most pressing questions you could even win tickets to the big game we're giving away tickets yeah i didn't know that until i read it hmm. i don't think you're eligible though i don't see anything in here that says i'm not i the terms and conditions are probably written elsewhere rather than in the ad read I should. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So westernsouthern.com slash ask dash Chris C-R-I-S is Chris's first name. C-R-I-S, yes. C-R-I-S. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Well, you said C-R-I-S is, so it sounded like... C-R-I-S is yes. Chris's name. Go check it out. You win Good. tickets to the big game. Oakland Raiders at the New York Jets. Mm. I like your uh, dismissive flinging of the ad read after you read this. That's what I do. It's not... I don't... That's not to diminish our sponsors. No, it's more not. like it's a it's a, it's a nice artistic we did it. flourish. Yeah, we I like did it. it. I like it. Yeah, the podcast listeners. Came. That's why you guys got to be on YouTube here. Yeah, we'll draw on the board. I'll throw papers around. It's great. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's very visual. Sometimes people. Sam leaves and you don't even know he's not here unless you're watching. Well, last time I wasn't even here for the start of the show. Yeah, I you can, you can watch late. me do a monologue sometimes if you have a radio hit. Yeah, so I I've actually missed both ends of the show. Right, I was you late, have late to it last week and I had to leave early before. We should we should have like a little fine box here. Yeah, don't minutes. worry. We've got we've got plans for when you're not uh, in the building when we record this. What, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. I, I, I got I got something. Oh, you yeah. you have like a cutout of me or something here. You don't worry about it. I got it covered. I, I got wait. I got plans. Christmas week remotely. Yeah, Steve's Steve's leaving me here solo. So just for one show, I am going to have alternative arrangements made. That's all I'm saying. Well, I hope you hope you don't miss me too much. What are you looking for in Raiders Jets? 
So we talked about Jamal Adams a lot, right, where they've been using him. They've been lining him up as a legitimate edge rusher. I think there's a legitimate case to be made that he might be the best at pass rusher on that team as yeah. a safety. Um, but they've been lining him up like as a, as a legitimate edge. And so that's an interesting thing. Not just that, but they've been lining him up everywhere else as well. Like they haven't pivoted and said, all right, you're going to play pass rusher for us. They've lined him up in the box. They've lined him up deep, you know, halfway to Bermuda, wherever it is. Greg uh, lines up his safeties. They've had him in the slot covering people. They've had him lined up as a true boundary cornerback against tight ends and running backs. He is the most interesting player on the field because he can be anywhere and cause all kinds of problems. We drew it up on the Monday podcast, what he does schematically to that defense in that his ability to move around and become an edge rusher is literally changing the defensive front. So they'll line up with something, and, you know, the quarterback goes to the line, surveys what the defense is showing him, is reading one front, and then based on where Jamal Adams lines up, the front will change. Like, the actual defense that he's looking at transforms in front of his eyes, which messes with protections, which messes with blocking schemes, messes with everything. So how the Raiders essentially contend with this Jamal Adams moving around thing is going to be fun because the Raiders' offense has been doing really well um, they get the ball out of their hands pretty quickly. Uh, it's generally looked quite successful. It's going to be interesting to see whether they're able to adjust to Adams. Yeah, it's not always fair to use like win percentage when it comes to safeties because most of the times they are blitzes. They're not true pass rushes like you said. Right. But he's trading pressure about 25% of the time that he rushes the quarterback, whether it's a true pass rush or a blitz. Six sacks, three QB hits, and seven hurries on just 63 rushes yeah and he's pretty good when he does he's been good at finishing i mean there's there's something to the idea that some of that is you know mythical the site you know the concept of people being better finishers than yeah, others. But if you're like a really good athlete and you get there right he's i mean he's also he's physical enough that when he does get to the quarterback he's typically not going to get shucked off like they're not he's not slipping out of tackles behind the line of scrimmage he went straight at the ball against daniel jones just took it out of his hand you know strip fumble um, no, he's. I think he's a legitimate. I, he genuinely. It sounds. It sounds like a joke and facetious and all that kind of thing. But he might legitimately be the best pass rusher on this team. No, I know it's not crazy. Uh, am I crazy to think that the Jets have a? I mean, it's 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 the Raiders and the Jets. How the Raiders? The our perception of the Raiders has changed in recent weeks. We feel better about them as a team. Yeah. But I don't think it's crazy to think the Jets can win this. I was going to say you're not, but I'm picking the Raiders. But it turns out I didn't pick the Raiders. I picked the Jets. Uh, oh, I did too. Yeah. I don't think you're crazy. I think the... I, well, I'm going to explain why. Well, part okay. Partly for the reason I just outlined that Jamal Adams is going to cause problems for that offense. Time and to draw. I think they can cause an upset. What do you got? If this is a 70 grade... Yeah. Here's Sam Darnold's season. He's been right around here. And then he had the Patriots game. Yeah. Down there. But since that point, he got up to about like in the 50s. You know, he's in the 50s for a little bit, and then he's back up here the last two weeks. Yeah. This, is, this is Sam Darnold's season. I think he's got like one more of these uh-huh. against Raiders. this Raiders secondary. Yeah. I mean, what do you want me to explain to the listeners? I'm just saying for anybody listening and therefore not watching your drawing, you can just look at his game-by-game grades in premium stats 2.0. Yeah, because but this is that's essentially what you're drawing. It's a deep V. Yeah, you are putting on a a badly formed line graph his season grades. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and erase that too. Okay, before somebody, you know, huh. 
Let's just erase it. Anyway, he went way down and he's back on his way up. We might need to add drawing to the list of things you're not allowed to do on this podcast. What do you mean? Analogies and drawing. I'm just adding a ton of value here. Yeah. A lot of value here. So I could see a big game from Darnold and the Jets like, I mean, the the Raiders like to run the ball. Josh Jacobs, you know, the Jets can actually stop the run a little bit. Folo Fotokasi. I love him. Mm. Little two down run stopper. With a 90-plus grade this year because of all this run defense. Right. So, yeah, I could see the Jets winning this game. I don't think it's crazy. Um, it's obviously, it's at home as well. So, Raiders are going to go on the road. The Jets beat distance. the Cowboys at home. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's nuts. Um, I, you know, I, I did initially think it was more likely that the Raiders would win, and yet I've picked the Jets. So, yeah, I don't, list, don't listen to anything I say about this game. Apparently, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. No, no, you don't. This might might need to be a game where they're not like the Raiders have these games where I think they kind of like unleash Derek Carr and he could he can be unleashed. He can do some nice things. There's other games where he's like, like last week, he's you know, got some short stuff. He did all right. I mean, they should be they should have scored a lot more points against the Bengals. Yeah. And it wasn't because Carr wasn't making throws like I. I don't think they should play conservative attack, get up early. And then try to run the ball. The other thing the I would say about the Raiders' offense is, so everyone wants to credit the offensive line for being one of the best units in the NFL because they're doing well in the passing game. They haven't taken many sacks. Um, and Josh Jacobs has been getting a ton of yardage, right? But most of that yardage has come after contact. He leads the NFL in broken tackles. The rushing game is being propped up right now by Josh Jacobs, not the offensive line. Now, I know... We always talk about how running backs are largely a product of the environment. Yeah. But we've also said a bunch of times that for periods of time, individuals can buck that trend, right? You sure. can overcome bad blocking, and you can do it for a reasonable length of time. It's just that ultimately it always swings back the other way. Um, and in the vast majority of cases, the line is the more important thing than the running back. Then the other thing is... You know, we know sacks are not necessarily an offensive line stat. They're more of a quarterback slash offensive system stat, right? So the fact that the Raiders haven't given up that many sacks is more of an indication of the kind of offense they're running than the fact that the line is really good. Right now, Richie Incognito is playing really well, but that's one guy in five. Um, the point I'm making is that as much as we have been saying, "Yeah, look, this offense is doing a lot of nice things," and it's surprising. I don't know that it is built on solid foundations the way it would be if the offensive line was dominant. And you were saying, well, look, whatever about everything else, every single week they're going to go into a game with a really good platform to be able to run the ball and to be able to pass the ball. That isn't the case at the moment. This thing is built to an extent on a, on foundations of sand. And in any given week, if they roll up against a defense that dominates that front, suddenly the offense has got real problems to maintain the kind of production they've had. Yeah, I think it'll be a decent matchup up front. I mean, the line, I'm not, I don't think the line's been bad. I mean, Richie and no, Nito's playing really well. But it's just not as good as right. people are saying it is right. based off all the production. I'm also wondering the Jamal Adams thing, does he end up becoming tight end eraser in this game? Take away Darren Waller, leading the team 56 catches, 666 yards. Uh, we've seen Hunter Renfro really break out in recent weeks with some big games as well. I mean, the, the Raiders are doing a nice job of spreading the ball around, but I could see Jamal Adams playing more, you know, a little bit more man coverage on the tight end this week rather than being a pass rusher. That's the benefit of having a Jamal Adams, though. And yeah, his I mean, versatility. He's legitimately a player that I think he's the real key to this game, which you don't often say about a safety. Right. 
Um, but I think it's 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 a genuine factor. The other, whether he's tight end a race or whether he becomes a real factor in against the run, I think is important because he's the kind of player that can really stymie the attack of Josh Jacobs by getting to him in and around the line of scrimmage. He's got six tackles for loss or no gain just in the run game this year. Um, so uh, he's a, he's a guy that could cause problems for their run game as well. I'm taking the Jets in the upset here, man. Same. Apparently. Trap game for the Raiders. Trap game. How about that? Mm. Raiders running into a trap game. Did we have that follow-up bet? I took the Raiders over. With, you owe me lunch, right? What? No, you never did that. I thought it's kind of like auto-renew. No, you... We auto-renewed our the Raiders bet and the Brandon Graham one. No, I That's gave not, you the wait, chance let me to me. re-up, and you didn't. Oh, okay. Fine. Jets in an upset. Raiders are looking ahead to the Chiefs. Yes. Potentially. All right, let's move on. Detroit Lions at the Washington. Are we the only ones? We're the only idiots taking the Jets. No, bunch of people. Solomon's taking the Jets. Nathan, the leader, tied leader, joint leader. Lions at Redskins. Mm -hmm. Don't think Stafford's back. No, tickets for this game are selling for five dollars. Really? Yeah. And they're not going to sell out. Here's what I'm going to do instead. Did they play in the NFC Championship when the Redskins went to the Super Bowl? Was that an NFC Championship game? When was that? 91. I don't know. I want to fire up. There's there's some really good early 90s Lions-Redskins matchups. I think I'm going to fire up like a little Barry Sanders versus Mark Rippon or something. Why don't we just put that on instead of this game? That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, fine. I would happily watch pretty much any Barry Sanders game in history before I watch this game. Um, Haskins has zero big-time throws so far this season. Zero. Zero. Yeah. He needs to. He needs just needs to cut loose a little bit. Even at, so, Ohio at Ohio State, he we didn't have him with a ton of big time throws. In our criticism of the guy that threw fifty touchdowns last year, mm. is that he didn't have to make a ton of big time throws to produce at that level. He right. didn't have to make t- a ton of special throws. Now, what he did make twenty yard dig route, that deep in cut, that's like wow, that looks like an NFL throw. He puts it right on him. Like he did that really, really well. But you know, consistently needing to make big time throws or creating outside of structure wasn't really there for Haskins. And if those aren't there, then everything around you has to be really good. Receivers getting open quickly, offensive line being really good. Everything's got to be good. Play calling has to be really good. Putting you in position to succeed. That was always the risk with the Dwayne Haskins. So he is of major risk. Yeah, is of... I can't even think how to grammatically structure this sentence. I can tell you're struggling. Yeah. He is at risk of, there you go, at risk of becoming Tavares Jackson 2.0, by which I mean a guy who is capable of playing at a reasonable level, sees the passes he needs to make, and just cannot convince himself to make the throw unless he sees the guy wide the hell open already. Yeah. And the problem with that is, at the NFL level, you cannot do that. Because well, once Alex Smith comes back, he'll help him. Teach him the ways of aggression. Um, the At the NFL level, such a small percentage of throws are actually wide the hell open at the point where you need to decide to throw it. Most of the throws you make as an NFL player are not actually open at the point you're throwing them. But you have to understand leverage, position, coverage, and understand what that means for the next two seconds, right? Yep. Based on what I'm looking at right now, the alignment of these players, the coverage I know they're playing, the route he's about to break into, I understand that that guy is about to break open by a yard and a half. 
therefore I'm putting the ball in the air. If you restrict yourself solely to passes that you can see being open, you will not be good enough to succeed at the NFL level. And that was Tavares Jackson's problem. He had the, all the arm in the world. He was athletic enough to make some plays with his legs. He, could, he was accurate. He could make the throws that he was prepared to put in the air, but he would not throw the ball into a situation that he could not see the outcome of already. Interesting comparison. And that right now is Haskins' problem. That's yeah. why he has zero big-time throws. And at the moment, even if he was playing a perfect game on the other side in terms of not making mistakes – you just you cannot succeed unless you're prepared to be more aggressive than that. And, you know, my comparison coming out with Sam Bradford, it was a little different. It was, yes, he's on more. He's more on the conservative end of the spectrum. He's got this looks the part. Like I said, when you give him the NFL throw to make, there's a lot of yeah really accurate throws that he mm-hmm. that he puts right on guys. But the pocket presence last week, he took six sacks. Bradford never had that little bit of extra magic when things weren't perfect around him and Bradford never played in a real I don't think he ever played in a good situation 2016 Minnesota was that the best situation he had yeah that's also pretty much the only time we saw him do what you just said he never did right which is have those insane games where but it was like two of them and then he settled in things are not ideal around him and yet he overcomes it yes I mean he he had two and uh, I mean that was like the low that was like younger Diggs and Thielen yeah then right Mm -hmm. and um you know, maybe we were one year. We never saw Bradford in a perfect situation. That yeah. would be the fear for Dwayne Haskins. If, it, if we see Jeff Driscoll again, you know, I think he's shown capable. This this Lions offense is explosive. I think you just, I know they don't have the best record in the world, and the defense has given up a ton this year. They've really let them down after showing signs of life against Kansas City early. Jeff Driscoll is Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0. What? Mm-hmm. Why? Because he is all about the YOLO ball. He's more athletic than people want to give him credit for. I've always wanted to give him credit for being athletic. People other than you. Um, I mean, he was a dual right, threat. So, okay. He was a dual threat quarterback. Not more athletic than people are giving him credit for, but more he's more athletic than most quarterbacks, but not athletic enough to actually be athletic. That was Ryan Fitzpatrick's thing, right? He would always take off, make some plays with his legs, and but he's not, you know, it's not like dangerous. He's just... Yeah, he was he makes dual threat with his legs. Dual threat for so, quarterback. Yolo passes more athletic than most quarterbacks. Well capable of throwing some horrific decisions, and probably only a matter of time before he does it. Didn't go to Harvard, but other than that, doesn't have a cool as cool a beard. Former Gator. Yeah, turned LaTeX. Why is that crazy? You looked at me like I was an idiot. I don't know. I just I think he's more toolsy than fits he's got a bigger arm but even then like, not every comparison's one-to-one and perfect i understand yeah, he's You're got a bigger arm Lola. but neither does he like he's he's got a bigger arm than fits because frankly fits arm isn't great but it's not big enough that he can make you know those insane crossbody throws that he likes to make no he does try to do a lot of that stuff so so i'm sticking with it it's ryan fitzpatrick 2.0 and therefore actually entertaining to watch was where I was going with that. All right, I'm taking Detroit. I'm still trying to gauge. A lot of people have said, we would love it if you guys did some retro games and all that stuff. How would you... You keep saying that. Like, you would love it. So if we either... Could we legally just put <laughs> put YouTube up here and just watch it? Like have like a legit watch along on YouTube? Yeah, we just couldn't... Do yeah. we do this on Patreon? We've been teasing... We could do that. Patreon. Would you guys sign up well, for like... Actually, so that's the part where I don't know that we can... 
do it. I think if we put it on no, because we no, because if we what, what we do on Patreon is we would say, look, we're going to go to we're all going to YouTube on our own. You're going to have two screens open, fans. Uh, that sounds messy. No, it's not messy at all. That's how people do it. it you say, here's the game. We're going to go watch, you know, the Super you know, Niners Broncos Super Bowl. Yeah. Press play. Now let's watch. And we'll comment and talk about it or whatever, li- you know, live, which is different. Like, we're not going to go back and grade the game necessarily. From hey, the see, this the, you need to clarify that, right? Because I'm pretty sure that's what half the people who want to see it want. I'm not, we're not going back to grade the game. Yeah. game. It's more like we'll give you our insight on it. We'll watch it together, you know, whatever it is. I still think we're better off doing the, uh, the retro podcast. Sounds yeah, that's all it's a separate thing. That's a, I'm, just, I'm saying for the PFF NFL podcast... For some off-season fodder, if we fired up a 96 Jags game, would you guys be interested? I, I would just like to have it on the record that I think this is a bad idea and that I'm against it. The fans, would they, they want it. Okay. Do you want to have a mid-90s or whatever retro game watch-along with us? I would also like to further stipulate that even if this does become a thing, I want zero part in the production of it. Like, you just... If it ends up being we done... We just put the game on and watch. That's what I'm saying. If it ends up being done and I get roped into it, all I'm doing is sitting in a chair and talking. We'll sit here for two I hours want, and we'll talk about I whatever want, we want. No part of putting it Some together. Some of it will be about the game. If you come to me just once and ask me to pick between weeks of a 1994 game, I am going to throw your new laptop at uh, the window. You can, you're going to want to have an opinion on I'm which not. game I we watch. I promise you I'm not. Oh, I'm going to find the worst game. <laughs> what was the worst? 2010 Panthers... Was the game where there was like eighty passing yards total? Or Jimmy Clausen against whoever the Bears tried. That's it not there. retro enough. Two thousand ten. Well, now if that you've game opened things, if the game does, if the year doesn't begin with a one, I'm not watching it. All right, I'm still going to find the worst game that I can think of. That's my only stipulation in all of this. The number of the year has to begin with a one. My Jags played multiple six to three games. I'm going to yeah. fire. I'm going to find one of find those. Find me a two zero game, and then we can talk. We can do Penn State, Iowa, 2006, 3-2. When I was playing, I was on both sides of a 2-0 game. That's how high-octane passing the Irish League is. Your Irish League stories are way worse than my minor league baseball stories. Moving on to the nope. Tampa Bay Bucks. Nobody should ever be in a 2-0 game, and I was on both sides of one. That is a, that's a baseball story. And I'm honestly not sure which is worse. <sighs> Tampa Bay Bucks at the Atlanta Falcons. Sam needs a new analogy. For the Falcons, I do. I already, I already sacrificed the analogy on Monday. I already, I already did it. It blew up in your face twice. Yeah. Therefore, it can't. It can no longer be the dead whale. So my question now becomes: All right, let's assume that the Atlanta Falcons have righted the ship, and it turns out their problem was the play caller, or the fact that they only had one play caller on defense. Now they have two, so things are better. Um, now the question is: All right, how good can they get? Because we've seen this team. We're not this team, but we've seen. Um, close cousins of this team in its previous iterations play at actually really quite a high level. So how close back to that can they get now that they appear to have fixed the issues that were going wrong in the first place? I think they're one of the teams you don't want to play down the stretch here. Yeah. They're going to run the table? I still don't think that's happening, but you're right. They You don't want to play a team that's getting back to their best play when their best play was good enough to take them you know, to Super Bowls and stuff. This is why I don't really love things that adjust for competition. I really think each game's unique. Yeah. Like, just because somebody, some quarterback tore up the Falcons back in week three doesn't mean that if you have a poor performance against them in week 12, it should be doubled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, 
I, I like the Falcons in this one. I, I think they're they're not a team that's going to allow what they, they've allowed twelve points in two games. I mean that's yes. that's not real. That's nobody, right? Yeah, I mean but, that's better than the Patriots defense that was on a historical you know pace early in the season. That's yeah. that doesn't happen. So they won't be able to keep that up and. You know, you get another Jameis shootout situation here and all that stuff, but <laughs> so you know we so you keep expecting Jameis to at some point have this MVP season. I think it's safe to say this is not this year. Um, mm-hmm. Then we talked about him being Cesium, right? The most volatile quarterback in the NFL. Is it time that we just start looking at him as a guy that's playing crap? Yeah, because the volatility isn't really there; it's just bad. Right now, Jameis leads the league in turnover-worthy plays. He has a 66 passing grade. By a distance. By a distance. Yeah. Like a and long, he still has the high. It's, it's not, he doesn't always show it in big-time throws. He's, it's just like a high air yard type of guy. Yeah, but that's he converts a ton of targets 11 yards downfield. That's part of the reason why he throws so many picks. It's part of the volatility. Right, but the volatility only exists if like, there's a lot of big plays to offset them. Like at the moment, there's just a lot of bad. Third in the league in passing yards. There's just chunk plays left and right. Just not 20-yard chunk plays. It's like 15-yard chunk plays. His average per attempt is 7.2 yards. Okay, that's not great, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Anyway, I mean, he can, he can do some stuff. <laughs> Challenge the defense. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. It, you know, God, those turnovers are definitely a part of his DNA now, though. Yes. It feels now, like... But, I mean, they it, it feels feel like, like DNA. A, it just feels like the conversation around him needs to shift slightly. Uh, sorry, the, the yards per temp figure there was with no plays included. If you strip out penalties and stuff, it's 7.6. That's a big difference. Yeah, but also that's the same as Rivers, who's playing like crap. Right Turnover-worthy now. plays this year. Jameis, 26. Phillip Rivers, 24. Man, these are high. Yeah. Daniel Jones, 22. Kyle Allen, Jared Goff, 20 apiece. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. It's not great. No. So, that's where we are. A lot of bad for Jameis. Yeah. Also, there's something hysterical to me about just the way he runs. When he takes off with the ball, there's just something sort of mad and chaotic about it that just cracks me up every time. I don't know what it is. But he's just got this weird gait of, like, just chaotic, like, desperation. He does, and he's got the long throwing motion and everything, too. He looks panicked when he runs. You know, like, there's something... There's something out of control and concerning about the way he just takes off. It's like, you know. Yeah. That's all. Cool. Taking the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, same. That passing wow, attack. all of us are. Matt Ryan in that passing attack. They can it put didn't up a take lot long for all of us to Bucks. jump back on that bandwagon. Let's see those Bucks big-bodied corners up against Julio this week. Mm. All right, Broncos at the Bills. Speaking of 1992 AFC Championship games. Which nobody was. Battle of the Allens. Yes, it is. Opposite ends of the spectrum as well. You know, little, giant little monster, branded. athletic with the presumably big hands. I don't remember what is measured. You know, cannon athlete against the small guy with the tiny hands and the not great arm. This might be a nine to seven game. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Brandon Allen did pretty well against quite a good defense in the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he hasn't a dome. Sure. And, you know, he almost brought them all the way back. Basically put them in the shadow of the goal line, only for them to start. Before they threw 17 fades. Right, before they turned the game plan into let's squeeze some jump balls to Noah Fant. Um, so, 
you know, it's, these are the strange things about like QB wins and, you know, comeback drives and all that kind of stuff. Like he basically did that. And then they decided that the either way do it or you don't, Sam. The way to actually win the game is to just throw a bunch of contested jump balls to Noah Fant, who was never going to win them. You and even do it or you don't. like even the throw to him on the last thing for the fade was in the right spot. Like it didn't it either hit him in the head or it went like right past his face. Like it was in the right spot. You know, no, I, mean? I know that's true. So Brandon Allen basically executed a game winning drive against the Minnesota Vikings. Didn't get credit for it because of a combination of play caller and or terrible contested catch receiver on the end of it. Is yep. what I'm saying. I get it. Now he goes up against the uh, the more fancy Allen. Tough throwing conditions in Buffalo. I think it's going to be. I think it'll be difficult there. You're just armist. Anti small arm. Josh Allen. People. No, I'm not at all. I'm all for those guys. That's why you, are. you, you look at you. You we didn't love a, Josh. You're a six no. foot ten pitcher with his giant ham hock hands, and you just look at these. Yeah, small but I was a, a noodle I had, armed quarterbacks. With I had tiny major hands. league average velocity, and you can't. You just can't get away that prejudice from your mind. It's. Look, if I if I was a flame throwing ninety eight mile an hour guy, that'd be different. I was a you know major league average. I had to work hard to get to major league average. Yeah, but I had that's to still, work my way up. That's still a that's still a fair way north from uh, Brandon Allen velocity. You think so? Yeah. What do you think his fastball is? I don't know. What's his I don't baseball? Know how that translates? Major league guy was about ninety ninety two. Yeah. I'm like eighty nine to ninety four range. You know, it might well okay. Put it, so flip it the other way, right? When we had that metal football target out in the garage, right? Sheet metal. I was genuinely concerned that you were going to dent this thing and we were going to have to send it back to the people. Do you think damaged. I have a better arm than Bruce? You have. You are capable of throwing with greater velocity, I believe. You think than so? Bruce. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Well, with football, right? the, spir- the tightness of the spiral is important and everything. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying that you'll put it in the right place. I'm just no. saying whatever you hit with the ball will know it's been hit. So I, I would say that based – so your 90 or whatever it was fastball translates to what is still a pretty significant howitzer with a football. Yeah. Therefore, I would say that's the easier way of doing this. I don't I, – you right now might throw the ball harder than Brandon Allen does. Yeah, that's possible. Right. That's true. So therefore, it, you, that's what I'm saying. So I can play in Buffalo. Well, maybe. In I'm just tough, saying. I in think, the tough conditions. I think you're both armist, maybe heightist, and – Small so, handist. I am. Josh Allen's the man. He's going he's gonna to kill him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, John Brown's having a pretty nice season. He so is. Our, our friend Kev Cole had a nice little tweet powered by AWS with his uh, grade and numbers on there. And you've got Chris Harris on the other side who doesn't play the slot anymore. Despite the fact that Josh Allen's numbers on the deep ball are terrible. Mm-hmm. Like he's been doing this despite essentially being hung out to dry by a guy that can't put the ball in the same zip code as him. In the thing that he's best at. Yeah. Like, that's actually a hell of an achievement that probably doesn't get talked about enough. I, I didn't think... So, the Browns... I mean, sorry, the, uh, the Bills playmakers on paper didn't look great coming into the year. But you understood, oh, here's why they added John Brown. Here's why they added Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox, they drafted tight end. Those guys are all... They're making up, like, 60% of their receiving guards, if not more. I glanced at it earlier. Hmm. They're all high. Right, so I mean that's that's a pretty good off-season haul for the Bills. Yeah, Brandon Bean, our friend, Brandon Allen, still the highest-graded Allen quarterback in the NFL this season. 
Always higher than Josh? Yep. And Kyle? Has been since the start. His overall PFF grade, 64.7. Josh is the next highest graded Allen at 60.6. And Kyle all the way down there at 51.3. Do you think Allen talent fluctuates like ginger talent? Only one of them can have it in any given day. Yeah. That would be amazing. If that's the case, then we'll know early on who's winning in this We one. should run a study on uh, the, each week by week if only one of them has had a big game by the week. Same name talent. Because I think all of them have had like good graded games. Oh, yeah. Kyle's first game was really good. Josh Allen's had a couple of big games in there as well. I don't think they were in the same weeks. Uh, Brandon might not have even had a particularly good game yet. But Anyway, Chris Harris, John Brown. That's fun. Could be a battle. Chris Harris was kind of, not complaining, but they asked him, like, hey, you've run up against a sequence of really good receivers. Now you get Stephon Diggs last week. And he was like, yeah, I mean, he's not as fast as those guys, so that's, that's slightly helpful. Yeah. Now he goes back to blazing speed Speed again. guy. Yeah, should be, yeah, that'd be a good one. Something to watch. I'm going Buffalo in uh, this one. Where am I going? Because I'm a heightist. Also and a Buffalo. Hand sizest and all that, whatever you called me. I know, yeah. All right, another one of the huge games this week. Seattle Seahawks at... The Philadelphia Eagles. Hmm. So I thought initially that, you know, this idea of the Eagles being slightly better than they, their record so far this season, and I was like, at some point, they're getting dug into a hole too deep to climb out of. But they're really not. <laughs> they're, no, still, not. they're still 500. They're only a game back from Dallas. Like, they could still ch- throw this game away and actually still be okay. Dallas is going to New England. They're still going to play each right. other again. Right, so you could, you could easily see them, even if they lose this game, they're still only a game back, and they're fine. Um that being said, it seems that at some point, in order for them to be better than their record, they actually do need to win some of these games. I felt like the final, it wasn't, I think it was the second, it was the second to last drive by the Eagles. Kind of summed up what it felt like watching Carson Wentz this year, who's still grading better than his production, but was terrible last week. He was, oh, he was bad. Was awful. He was bad last week. Even though he put the ball in Aguilar's hands. For he did. Drop it. But this is the thing. He was bad last week. He had three or four big time throws. Yeah, And that kind of sums it up as well. There's no rhythm. There's no like, hey, we're going to string together 10 plays and I'm going to have you know four or five really nice throws on this drive. It's like they're just, you know, good throw here, good throw there, and they're not pieced together. On, yeah. Before the Aguilar throw, he missed, he missed three total throws, but two right. of them were like by a mile. Yes. And then he dropped the Aguilar throw in there. But I think it's important to make the distinction that, you know, most of the season we've been saying, hey, he's playing a lot better than the record and the numbers suggest, and he's actually playing really well, right? Last week, his grade was terrible. He was bad. Now, there were still some big plays in there, but we're not trying to claim that this time he was actually really good. What you saw didn't exist. He was not good last week, even though he made a few big plays in there as well. And he's dropped down to number 11 just in our – overall grading right right now so we're not it's not like we're fighting for him as a top five graded quarterback or anything like that like maybe we were earlier in the season um but i think it's been a lot it's been a little bit like what we talked about with the browns minus maybe the o-line disaster the receivers haven't been good yeah a big part of our preseason analysis on the eagles was like well they got deshaun jackson they've got this contested catch guy and Aguilar can just be the slot guy and they've got two tight ends on paper, they had everything you needed mm-hmm. from a skill set standpoint, but we've had injuries and guys not performing to the you know to their capabilities. Missing Deshaun Jackson has been big for them, and that's now a season long thing, right? He had to yeah. get shut down, had surgery or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's a significant problem. On the other hand, I think getting back some of those guys in the secondary is significant. Um, they played reasonably well last week for the most part. 
Um, this feels like a game to me that's like a Russell Wilson sort of signature, you know, like the Heisman moment that every player is supposed to have. It's like, what was his Heisman moment of the season? This feels like Russell Wilson's MVP moment where he goes out there on the road, beats the Philadelphia Eagles team that actually does show up to win this time. The game, to, uh, to a greater extent than usual, is actually in Russell Wilson's hands, and he goes out there and has, does exactly the same things he's been doing all season long and actually just dominates MVP trophy, laps of honor, ticker tape parade, all I'm, hail Russell Wilson. You, no. know what, you know what the reality of it is, though? They're going to run the ball 85 times and he's not going to have the <laughs> chance. It's a 1 o'clock game. Yeah. Lamar's playing Monday Night Football. That's true. At That's the end of this weekend, Lamar Jackson will have all the MVP hype. Unless he doesn't play well. Unless he doesn't play well. And Russell Wilson did. I actually could see um, Wilson's regression from um, his under-pressure grade a couple weeks ago was 87. It's down to 80. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was inevitable. You can't be... You can't have an 87 grade under pressure for the season. Right. That would make you the second best quarterback in the NFL overall when you're under pressure. pressure. That doesn't happen. So he's down to 80. I could see this being one of those games where the Seahawks trudge through the first three quarters with nine points. And if you want... Then Russell takes over. Then you've got the MVP moment. And and they win like 16 to 9. And it's like, who cares if they scored 16 points? Russell Wilson had the fourth quarter comeback. And he, he was terrible for three quarters. And then he had a great finish i could see a game like that because the eagles defense is playing a little bit better in yeah. recent weeks coming off the worst grade pff grade of his season so far was 59.9 against the 49ers last week that was following back-to-back games. that was the of, monday night game yeah where you know he you know he missed some throws right. had a fumble had the uh interception in overtime that was coming off games of 87 and 88 so it's, if he bounces back he that's a, a that's big for him because he was by far and away, the highest-graded quarterback in the NFL last week took a bit of a beating to that, but he's still clinging on in number one. Um, needs another good game to maintain that. Yeah, I mean, this should be a, a good battle. Let's see if the Eagles' defense is legit over those last few weeks. Let's see if Carson Wentz can right the ship a little bit. What can Wilson do? Tough road game at the Eagles, Seahawks defensive front against the uh, Eagles O-line, which once they got once Lane Johnson got banged up last week wasn't great across the board, so there's a lot a lot of good stuff to watch here. Despite saying that this feels like a uh, Russell Wilson MVP game, I'm going with the Eagles. Listen, you're not wrong about and I went Seattle cuz they're going to win 16 to 9. Okay. Um you pick your games in 30 seconds on a Wednesday. Hmm. We record with more in-depth analysis here on a Thursday. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't match up. Yeah, there's actual thought gone into it, whereas the picks, not so much. So you don't care about the picks? It's not that I don't care. It's that I care only for 30 seconds. You just go with your gut. And under a very limited amount of experience. I'm only prepared to dedicate 30 seconds of runtime at, say, 50% capacity to them. That's fair. Um, all right, now we get on to the game that could be anything. Could be. Chaos. 48-3. You know, there could be a 60-point swing in either direction here. <laughs> the chaos that is Jacksonville at Tennessee. Yeah. Because hmm. you have a Ryan Tannehill playing extremely well, leading the Tennessee Titans, who you just really don't know what you're going to get week to week. And then you get Nick Foles on the other side with the Jaguars, who you also don't know what you're going to get. Mm, ever. Week to week. Yeah. Ever. Throw for throw, week to week. 
It's a battle of class of 2012 quarterbacks, Nick Foles versus Ryan Tannehill. Is it really? Yeah. Why didn't I realize Nick Foles was in that class? Well, because the rest of the class was very first-round driven. Right. You had Andrew Luck, RG3, yeah. Ryan Tannehill with the first three off the board, Brandon Whedon Russell after Wilson. that, then Russell Wilson's in the third, Nick Foles is in there, Brock Osweiler was in there, Yeah. and Kirk Cousins was in there. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, Nick Foles was in that class. What a class. Reason. Yeah. And the previous class had a bunch of... Brock guys too. Yeah, Brock was in that class of 2012. We're going back and grading all those guys. In college. Yes, they're college. Yeah, they're final. We have their NFL grades. We have their NFL grades, but we're going back and grading their their college stuff. We just take a moment and think about the idea that somebody handed Brock Osweiler a $72 million contract at one point in his life. No. That's like my Mike Glennon rule. I have got the Mike Glennon rule on a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good, you know, third round-ish, you know, type thing. That, that, it's just, honestly, it's the same thing I said about Daniel Jones. I've compared Daniel Jones to both Mike Glennon and Nick Foles. <laughs> he might be a little bit better than that at this point, but still, like, they're just, you know. One of the most amazing things I ever saw was, so it, there was very little to suggest that during the time, the brief period that Brock Osweiler was starting, he was worth that kind of money, right? After... They somebody are somebody determined otherwise handed him the monstrous money, and to be fair, multiple people did because John Elway wanted to throw monstrous money at him as well, just less money than the Texans did, so he went with the more money. Um, after that, there was an article that came out. I have no idea where it was, so or who wrote it. So apologies for all that, but it was essentially titled "The Ten Throws That Bill O'Brien Saw oh, yeah, That Convinced right. Him That Brock Osweiler." is the guy. He can be a star quarterback going forward. Now that, that would be a good segment. We get up here and we take every quarterback. Right. The 10 we, throws that convince you that but whatever Mason it is, Rudolph is a superman. But we elevate all of them well above. So it's like, here's why you know, James Winston's a Hall of Famer. Right. Here's but, why Drew Brees is the best quarterback so of all time. Effectively, like you could honestly do that, I think, at this point. Where were we? We eleven weeks of the season. I think you could probably find ten throws that make almost any quarterback in the NFL this season look like a Pro Bowler. Yeah, and that was something that somebody actually said to justify that money. Just the thought process behind putting that out there with zero thought as to this actually looks really badly for me. So like, this the- does not reflect well. Here's what I think a big, the big difference between how you choose to analyze players and what you do with that information. Like we always joke about, you know, in-person scouting, stupid. Is there value in in in-person scouting? Yes. Is there value in watching a player's 10 best plays? Yes. It's what you do with that information. If the, if the 10 best plays are there to tell you, we've heard this a lot from draft rooms, right? You put on his best 10 and his worst 10. And if the best, usually the best 10 is to show you what his upside is, right? Like, here's right. what it looks like. If, if that's all you're gleaning from that information, that's fine. If you take that information and then project it across 700 dropbacks in a season and say that's what he is, yes. that's idiocy. But the other thing I think is, so I don't, just at the risk of being accused of hypocrisy here, you know, when we get to the draft or whatever, it's like, hey, look at this amazing play by X, right? Now, usually when we're doing that, it's to say, all right, look at this absurd play by this guy, which is indicative of all of these other plays that he has 
that we have watched and graded and right. tabulated, and therefore he has this really high grade. And all of this is right. an example. This is an example of one of many things that we that happens regularly that we therefore like. It right? backs up a larger point. It, it's a it's a sample of something you're trying to identify as a point that he does regularly and is therefore really good. Right. right. It's not that hey he did this once. And this is so damn good that, hey, if we can just get him back to this point, if he does this again 25 more times, well, we're, right. we're laughing. Well, because we it's can't like, well, show okay, you. Did he or not? Because if he didn't, then who cares? Well, because we can't show you. Well, here's just 200 good plays out of 800. Right. Let's just go through all of them. Like sure. we picked but four the point or five is, that it, represent like, something from the 200 that we feel In order for you to give a crap about the 10 plays, you need to at least illustrate or tell me or somehow relate it to how often those happened. Right. Because if it's just, here are 10 plays of this guy looking great, you can genuinely do that about almost any player in the NFL. Yeah. And that's why that... It just amazes me that somebody came out with that as like a rationale for that contract. Yeah, it's not great. And didn't... Somehow did not see that that doesn't actually speak well to you. Yeah. That shouldn't be your argument. No. And yet it was. Anyway, I'm taking the Titans in this one. They were they looked so bad in the first matchup. Dude, all of us are. This game is that Definitely. insane, and we're all going Tennessee. Definitely a four-touchdown game for Foles. Yeah, this is going to be good Foles. Peak Super Bowl. Dimes left and right. I don't think he's ready for that yet. Eh, the games aren't big enough yet. We might not see Super Bowl Foles. There's no playoff. I, mean, I guess they're <laughs> facing elimination every week. Right, so. therefore, every game is a playoff. Every game is a Super Bowl run for him right now. Oh, man. I hate taking Tennessee. <laughs> Battle in the class of 2012. Is, is it also crazy for me to think like, eh, Tannehill's playing so far. He's playing really, really well. Yeah. He's playing above his skis a little bit. I, that's definitely true. I mean, should be. the Tannehill thing is, is a regression waiting to happen. They're also coming off a bye, right? Which suggests to me that there's, they're the kind of team that feels like, you know, they're going to come back complacent off a bye and just flat. drop flat in their face. Can we just discuss general bye week analysis? No. People think that in the bye, it, they think it's like an off season. Well, they completely rebuilt their offense. They brought in six guys, signed free agents. We'll pop there. Hmm. I mean, that's just not what happened. You can still hear me, right? Yeah, as much as I la, 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 la. Yeah, still working. Don't mess with the equipment. Still working. I mean, people think the crazy stuff happens. It's just like it's an off week. The, so the same team. It's like eight teams, right, have played in London this season. Consequently, eight teams have come back and had a bye after that because that's what happens. I think they're 0-8. I think every single one of those is lost coming off the bye. Maybe the travel's the worst part. I mean, the travel sucks. Having it's said that, it's not that bad coming this way. It's the other way that was the problem. Yeah, but you have to go the other way first before you come this way. No, I know that. So what but, happened? Oh, you think, you think it's still a holdover from the initial travel? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, ja- travel in general, that's, like, we just played, I haven't gotten great sleep this week, in general, <laughs> for various reasons. Okay. And then we're playing some basketball games, and if we tried to play again today, you know, body body feels it a little bit, you know? I don't think sleep would be my problem right now. Um, no, but what I'm saying is that, like, traveling from the UK to America is actually okay. Travel-wise, yeah. traveling the other way sucks, because it's overnight, you're, yeah, yeah. it goes the wrong way in terms of time. And you end up like coming off, uh, coming off a day's worth of travel of five in the morning, and you're you're jacked, right? Jet lag wise, you're mess. That's why people want to come to America. Okay, but coming back the other way, a it's way easier, and b you're going straight into your bye week, so no, that shouldn't be a problem. 
it's cumulative. That's what I'm saying. The only way that would be a problem is if like, it's, it's the initial travel that's still having an effect a week and a half later, which would seem like a stretch. All right, somehow we're all taking Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee's whole season is like trying to figure out when they're jet lagged. So they have the ability up front to mess with the Jacksonville offensive line, which will be a big part of good falls versus bad falls. Um, I think that pass rush for Tennessee can definitely get home against the Jags O-line, which really is like Brandon Linder. There's a unique good lineman. The rest of them all kind of suck. Um, so I just love huh? nothing. Okay. They, just all, they just all suck. Well, they, I mean, look, they can, there's only so much you can dress up the truth. Um, the Titans have got, obviously, Cameron Wake. The Jarrell Casey is still good, although as a pass rusher this year, he's been less than optimal. Um, you've got some real weapons. Harold Landry has been doing reasonably well this season. And, of course, the rookie presence um, of Jeffrey Simmons, who's Jeffrey been Simmons. dominant since coming, uh, coming in. I think that group can like really make some hay against this Jacksonville offensive line. And then the other thing that will do is have the knock-on effect of making life pretty difficult for old Lenny, Lenny Fournette. Yeah, it's going to be a good game or... The Jaguars are going to crush them, or the Titans are going to crush the Jaguars. It's going to be a good game, or a bad game, or something in the middle. Yeah, any of those three things can happen when the Jaguars face the Titans. Now, to wrap it up, Monday Night Football, good job, schedule makers. I mean, if the Rams were a little bit better this year, really good job, schedule makers, but they're still capable. Ravens, Ravens at the Rams, Monday Night Football. As ugly as it's been offensively for the Rams in recent weeks, and Goff with his 20 turnover worthy plays and all that stuff, the Rams defense has been much better. Much like the Ravens' defense has been much better since the Marcus Peters trade. Ironically. Um, That's the interesting thing to me is the Rams' defense getting a shot at this Baltimore offense, right? Because right now the Ravens' offense is like, how the hell do you even stop this thing? What is Mm -hmm. the game plan? Um, As much as the Rams generally have been struggling, Wade Phillips is a really smart defensive coordinator. He He generally has really good uh, game plans in terms of at least how we're supposed to shut people down. Whether or not they're capable of executing it or not is a different matter, right? That's kind of weight. It's not really... He's not like a game plan-oriented coach that's going to come up with something crazy. Right. But he's going to say, here are the things they do well. Here are the things we need to stop. Within the structure of our defense, here's what to focus on. Yeah. He's ha- he has a pretty good history of doing that stuff. Right. Would you stop messing with the equipment here? Am I still on? Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to Got see it. how Wade Phillips' defense attacks this offense. I'm also excited to see what kind of impact Aaron Donald can have against an offense that is kind of already naturally built to minimize his, his effect. Right, it's whether it's running, whether it's running to the perimeter, they do a lot of things that should minimize the impact Aaron Donald has. Run power that double teams the three technique where that, he is. That, yeah, type of thing. that being said, Aaron Donald is good enough to wreck that kind of stuff anyway. So sure. he does need to have a big game for them to have any shot of slowing down this offense. I'm just generally interested to see how good a job that defense is able to do against this Baltimore offense, which has been pretty ridiculous. Have Donald spy Lamar? Hmm. I mean, the other, yeah. But seeing those two, obviously you can't keep up with Lamar, but those two freak athletes on the field at the same time, that'll be cool. Yeah. Also, you know, Corey Littleton is a good coverage linebacker who will become, who is more important in this game than most because the primary place Baltimore wants to go with the ball is those tight ends, Mark Andrews, all that kind of stuff. That's into Littleton's wheelhouse. I was going to bring him up because he could be the guy. He's pretty athletic. He could be one of those guys. You don't always have to dedicate a spy to Lamar, but you have to have 
you know, zone eyes on him or, you know, keeping an eye on yeah. him in general. I think Littleton's going to be a key player in this for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, ends, as you said, yeah, I think he's, a, I think he's bigger because of the impact he can have on the tight ends than dealing with Lamar. I honestly don't think teams should concern themselves too much with sort of dedicating the spy to Lamar and, you know, keeping eyes on him at all times. I think you rush disciplined. You do, you get in the Aaron Rodgers treatment, right? Which is, Look, let's just be aware yeah. of what can happen if he breaks the pocket and starts doing crazy things, right? Let's rush with the intention of keeping him in there, and then let's just rely on us being able to cover. Because he's not, he's not that – he doesn't want to take off and scramble. That's right. not his game, right? Same with Rodgers. They don't want to do that. They will if you give them the opportunity. But if you just you know, rush honest – if you just rush disciplined and, and contain them, they will stay in there. At which point, I think you're far better off just relying on keeping him in the pocket and making plays on the back end than you are, you know, all right, we're going to rush to the band and get some pressure on him and hope that the linebacker can stick with him in the open field because he's spying him. That just strikes me as setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to watch in this game. And then, as you said, the other side of the ball is pretty interesting as well. Baltimore's defense has been cooking since they made those trades, since they got people back healthy in the secondary. Rams offense has been bad, but they did make some pretty interesting changes last week in terms of blocking schemes, in terms of two new guys on the offensive line, both of which seem to upgrade matters and help them. We're going to see, you know, Jared Goff cut down on those turnover-worthy plays with uh, some of those playmakers in the Ravens secondary. The Ravens aren't great at rushing the passer, but against the Rams as you said, you know, might have some opportunities there. There's, there's a lot of good stuff to watch in this one. Getting some of his playmakers back as well. You know, Cooper Cup. Yes, that's had, huge. Cooper Cup was sick last week, still played. Robert Woods should be back. Brandon Cooks should be back after concussion as well. So now you're suddenly back to being a fully populated receiving core instead of relying on can guard Mike. Uh, the other Mike Williams. Not great. Mike. Yeah, Mike. Why am I? Why do I think Mike Williams is not his name? Thomas. Michael Thomas, that's right. Mike, Michael I Thomas that, and Mike Thomas. I knew that wasn't right. Um, yeah, instead of relying on can guard Mike, the other Mike Thomas. Yeah. A lot of good stuff to, to look at here. The um, Rams had an 84 pass blocking grade as a team last week against the Bears. It's the only, they've only had two games above 80. You could make the argument that both those rookies upgraded their position yeah. this year. I think one of them definitely did. Having said that, they basically didn't want to pass the ball at all last week, so we're working on very limited. Yeah, I mean, I'm size. saying this pass blocking grade in a very controlled right. scheme. Like Bobby Evans in particular, the, like, yes, he did a good job pass blocking. On the other hand, they really didn't want him pass blocking a lot, so it didn't happen very much. So it's probably an upgrade over Havenstein based purely on how bad Havenstein has been this year. Yeah. But it would be very premature to be sure of that right very very early there I, I think both teams are just fascinating how they've been built too we talked about the rams for a couple of years now other than aaron donald's the best pass rusher in the nfl it's not like they've you know they haven't trotted out a whole bunch of good pass rushers over over the years mm-hmm. right they've gotten flashes from dante fowler they made it to the super bowl last year with you know this pieced together hey, you know dante fowler is okay and it's just a whole bunch of you know complimentary type pieces but they've invested heavily in the secondary. Even if those investments, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, are gone or hurt or, or whatever, they grab Jalen Ramsey and you know they've, developed, they've uh, drafted a ton back there. They bring in guys like Eric Weddle. They drafted Taylor Rapp in the second round who's been flying around the field. And then the Ravens invested heavily in their secondary. 
and decided to go with fewer pass rushes. We've used that as a common theme describing them for a while. So there's a lot of similarities, I think, in, in how the back seven, how the defense has been built. You go on all this talk about how impressive the Rams have been and leave out Troy Hill. What's Troy Hill's grade right now? Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. 79.9. But you should have had Corey Littleton as their most underrated player for that article. Eh, whatever. PFF.com, most underrated player on every team. Go check it out. Troy Hill's kind of fun. Oh, God. Seriously. Save it for the... He's good. Save it for the Troy's My Guy good. Patreon. He was all of our guys. He was, he, was, he, had a, he was good in college. Right. And he's good now. And he's good against the run as well, despite being like my size. Yeah. No, he's always been in there and willing to tackle, I think. David Long is also getting on the field now. Now that they, you know, shipped off all the other corners. He was a guy last year, rookie out of Michigan, that we thought was a really nice man coverage corner. Good hips, good ridiculous three cone, right? That kind of showed on the field the way he covers. Great. All right, we're out. Great. We're done. Going to be a great game. We all take in Baltimore, except... Nobody. Oh, no. Yeah, there is. Bruce. Bruce. Of course. always Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Renegade Bruce. Second best arm in the office. Bruce Gregkowski. Second best arm in the office. When he's in the office. Mike Parker? Oh, Parker's, Mike was more accurate. Yeah, Parker's got the best accuracy. He's probably, you know, he's Joe Montana. Mike That's Parker, for anyone that doesn't know, was Jared Lorenzen's backup Yeah, at Kentucky. He played with Tim Couch. Yeah. Jared Lorenzen, Dusty Bonner, <laughs> all those guys. We had him come out and spend. We had this target, like I said before. We had this football target in the office. Uh, we had it set up in the garage. And what would you say, the width of 20 yards? The width Nobody of- knows who Mike Parker is, by the way. I just told him. You just said he was Jared Lorenzen's backup. I mean, that could have been like, here's a dude off the street named Mike Parker who happened to play football. He works for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, used, we started off this conversation with second best arm in the office. I said Mike Parker. Oh, okay. Not- for anyone, like, okay. awake, he, he should be behind to, the scenes. They should be able to join NFL the dots teams. there between okay, working in the office through the with the target was back up at Kentucky. Like, are you seeing the thread now? The funny thing about Mike is he looks a lot closer. He looks more like a like a scientist now than uh, former. He certainly doesn't look like he was a former quarterback, former yeah. offensive lineman. Maybe. Oh come on! Don't. I was going more based off you know kind of his, you're He's going a big off. fella. In all dimensions. He's tall. He's, he's tall, yeah. Anyway, anyway he was so he's chucking it. The garage, you say 20 yards wide-ish? Yeah. So we had this target set up on one wall. We were all out there, you know, tossing footballs at the target, trying to see if we could hit, you know, put it through the hole. Accurate football. If we were accurate. Now, you were in more danger of breaking the target than you were putting the ball through the hole. Through lasers. Um, you know, Bruce came out there. He threw some, got a few in. Mike Parker went out there and, you know, was like, hey, Mike, you used to be a quarterback. Come come, throw at the target. And he spent, like, 15 minutes with this complicated warm-up routine, right, which involved, like, literally warming the old cannon up, firing the ball at people just to get loose, get it, get dialed in. And then he started off and uh, was aiming, like, high and left every single, every single throw. They were all going the same place, but they were, like, a foot off the hole. So then he adjusted his aiming point. Instead of aiming at the actual target, started aiming at the guy's shoulder. Suddenly dialed in, right? Gets, I think, three out of four, four out of six. Like, by far the most accurate of any of the people in the office, including the 11-year NFL veteran quarterback. Uh, it was quite impressive. Yeah. Maybe they missed a trick having uh, Lorenzen in there instead of Mike. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been the, the backup. backup. Right. Yeah. Maybe he would have been the, uh, the new future of the Cleveland Browns. 
instead of Tim Couch. He could have been the guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, we good here? Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Week 12. The preview, preview. Yeah. is in the books. We'll see you guys Monday. We're going to review all of week 12. And don't forget, next week we'll have the week 12 review on Monday. And we'll preview week 13 and all the Thanksgiving weekend matchups on Wednesday slash Thursday. So thanks for tuning in. Get your PFF Elite Package Premium Stats 2.0 over at PFF.com right now. We might have some. I heard we might have some Cyber Week deals. Yeah, we've got some kind of deals coming up. All right, so keep this an time. eye out. I don't know what they are yet, but we were talking about Cyber Week deals. Oh, it's starting Monday. Yes, starting next week. We have an email. We can read it right now. Oh, okay. Is this for everybody? I don't know. Who's it? I, I'm seeing the email. Check out. Check check your email. Uh, yeah, why not? If you guys have been waiting all year to get a PFF subscription, maybe next week is the week. Cyber Sale starting way before Cyber Monday. So Monday, so this Monday, the 25th. Yeah, this Cyber- Monday, as opposed to Cyber Monday, our Cyber Monday deal will be starting. <laughs> well, it runs through Cyber Monday. It does, yes. It does. But typically, Cyber Monday sales are on Cyber eh, Monday. Don't tell anybody. Cyber yeah. 40 is the promo code. But that won't launch but it until starts- Monday, so don't use it when you listen to this right now. Okay. Forget that. But remember on Monday. We'll push it on Monday. Yes. You'll be able to get a discount. Tune back into the podcast on Monday where you'll be able to use the code that we're giving you. Yeah. Because we might change it before then. To get a 40% discount. All right, Tyler. We're out. This is staggeringly unprofessional. Yeah. Very unprofessional. Yeah. Well done. quick break to tell you guys about nfl game pass the only way that you can replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place so every game that we're talking about right now you guys can rewatch it after the fact i'm gonna be going back and you guys can too go check out lamar jackson in week one go check out dak prescott and what that cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.